All right, it's the Keep to the City Yankees podcast, and the Yankees lose again, or rather they are losing as they're in the bottom of the seventh at Yankee Stadium against the Braves, losing three to nothing, and uh, yeah, I don't expect them to come back, so why not do the post-game podcast a little early, save some time, I could get on with my night, and anyone that's listening to this tonight can also get on with their night, because this team is just fucking awful. Anyone who thought yesterday was going to start some winning streak had to be kidding themselves. I mean, they didn't even deserve to win that game. They were gifted the rally in the eighth inning. It was not like they came out mashing off to the off day, and you're like, okay, here we go. Here's the offense. They're starting to pick it up. They're going to go on a run here. No, that's not the case. The offense sucks. They can't score. They they can't hit. They can't they can't even get hits, let alone score runs. When they get a guy in base, it's like the equivalent of having ten runs scored. They're scoreless through the first six or in the seventh. Now Ian Anderson just shutting them down the way he did in his major league debut last year for the Braves. And yesterday they scored three runs on five hits. Uh, You go back to the Tampa series on Sunday. They scored two runs on three hits. On Saturday, three runs on five hits. On Friday, two runs on three hits. So after Friday's game, they had the big team meeting, you know, the big big Aaron Boone meeting where he supposedly addressed the team. And what did he address them about? Whatever he said had no impact because they've won one game since, and the only win was a gifted rally by the Braves in the eighth inning. On Friday, they have the big meeting. They lose 8-2. to two. The next day, they come out, they lose, they score three runs. As Aaron Hicks strikes out and walks back to the dugout, staring at the scoreboard, I don't know what he's looking for. I don't. They don't show replays. You don't want to see a replay of that swing either. The team can't can't hit. They can't score runs. It's it's hard to win baseball games when you score zero runs. It's hard enough to win when you score three runs, but three runs that feels like a fifteen spot for this team right now. So you go through the box score here: DJ LeMahieu zero for three, Aaron Judge one for two, John Carlos Stanton zero for three, Gio Urshela one for three, Glaber Torres one for three. Mike Ford, 1 for 3. Aaron Hicks, 0 for 2. Gary Sanchez, 0 for 2. Clint Frazier, 0 for 2. And now, you know, some of these guys, and a lot of these guys still have an at bat to come in this game, but that's where we're at right here in the seventh inning. What can you say about the lineup anymore? I don't know. What can you say? Gio Shell is the fucking cleanup hitter against a right handed pitcher. So, what does that tell you about what Aaron Boone's thinking? Where's the coveted three hitter batting lefty? The mandatory left handed three hitter. Where's he? He's batting seventh. Why? Because he fucking sucks. John Carlos Stanton, he's at 161. <laughs> Gleber Torres is at 190. You know, Gary Sanchez, who started off the year so hot, well, he's down to 205. Clint Frazier's at a 154. Clint Frazier and Gleber Torres combined have one RBI this season. That's good. And I don't know when this is going to end. You know, these kinds of streaks don't usually go on this long. You know, you're making a bad series, a bad week. We're into the second week, third week of this, because this started back in Tampa, and that was, that'll be two weeks ago this Friday, when they started to tank here. It wasn't a surprise, I, I came into this series saying this things were going to get worse, and they have. They faced Charlie Morton, and he dominated them. Now they face Ian Anderson, and he dominated them even more. And Corey Kluber, once again, couldn't get to the fifth inning. So when I say that if he ever gets through five innings and records 15 outs, that they should stop the game and like it's a, like he's got his 3,000th strikeout or his 300th win because that's how big it will be. You thought tonight would be the night. 
but he couldn't even get through the fifth inning because he has no idea where the ball's going. He walked four in this game. His ERA is up to 540. They bring in Nick Nelson in with the bases loaded, and Nick Nelson fucking sucks. Can we stop with Nick Nelson? All of these guys, these these guys, the Yankees, always have that one right-hander they trust, but they're never any good. And he's the new guy. He's the guy that takes over for Jonathan Holder. Ben Heller, Brooks Krisky, Luis Sessa, Johnny Barbado, Nick Goody, Anthony Swarzak, Ismail Rogers, Brandon Pinder, Chris Martin, David Carpenter, Nick Rumbelow. These are just guys over the last seven, eight years. It's always the same pitcher. Different name, same pitcher. Nick Nelson entered opening day, the 10th inning, runner on second, no outs. That game he lost. Randall Gritchick hit the double, and maybe Aaron Judge should have caught it, but he blew that game. Then he comes in for Corey Kluber in Tampa. Bases loaded, two pitches in, two-run double. Blows a 4-2 lead. The Yankees lose that game. Then a week later, the Yankees somehow don't plan to have a starting pitcher for the 13th game of the season, so they try to outsmart the Rays like they did in the ALDS, and they let Nick Nelson start. Three batters into the game, it was 2-0 with no outs. They lose that game. And then tonight, Nick Nelson, bases loaded, two outs, comes in, throws four pitches, all balls. And not just balls, not like he was getting squeezed. These pitches weren't even close. They were either short to home plate, they were in the other batter's box. He looked like... He was throwing with the wrong arm. That's how off these pitches were. And so he gives up a run to make it 2 nothing. His, his buddy Luis Sessa comes in gives up another run. It's 3 nothing, And that's where they're at now. And Gary Sanchez uh, just drew a walk. So they have first and second in the seventh here with two outs. And Clint Frazier's coming up. And maybe Clint Frazier will hit one out, tie the game, get this team on a roll. But <laughs> I doubt that. I really doubt that. I don't think this team's going to get on a roll. They might eventually win a few games because no one can be this bad for this long. But the fact that this kind of slump can exist means it's most likely going to happen again. This isn't an anomaly. This is the same team that lost 15 out of 20 games last year, and they're seven outs away from losing 11 out of 17 in this year. They're digging themselves a big-time hole, a big-time hole that they might not be able to dig themselves out of. So Clint Fraser just drew a walk. So now the bases are loaded with two outs, and the Braves are going to their bullpen, and they show Ian Anderson blowing on his hand. They show fans in the stands with, like, winter coats on. They just wear at Christmas time. And you have to be crazy to go to the fucking stadium tonight to watch this shitty team in this weather. I'm going to take a break right this second as they make a pitching change and go to the bullpen for DJ LeMahieu. All right, DJ LeMay, who hit another ground ball uh, right to the third baseman who makes the throw across, and the inning is over. And that'll about do it for the Yankees. Six outs left. They're not scoring three runs in this game. They're just not. I am completely confident in saying that. They are not scoring three runs in this game. So another loss. Um, nothing's really changed. Yeah, they put Mike Ford in the lineup. He hasn't done anything. Aaron Hicks needed two days off. He ended up playing. And the, d- the day they say he needs two days off, he ends up playing in that game, and then he starts this game. So who knows what to believe with this team. If you think Luke Voigt's going to come back and save the season, they have a lot bigger problems than one person, one player, or one pitcher. It's a team-wide issue. And maybe it won't be fixed. Maybe this is the team for the season, and if it is, pff, I won't be sticking around to watch it, that's for sure.
I won't be wasting my spring and summer watching this fucking garbage, that's for sure. Can't even score a run. The worst record in the American League. It's embarrassing, it really is. But in happier times, uh, Brian Gordon, uh, who pitched for the Yankees back in 2011, hadn't been in the majors in three years, had only four innings of major league work under his belt, but at 32 years old, he made his first start in the majors with the Yankees, and it was a big one as he got the W. And he joined me to talk about his career, how he went from outfielder to pitcher to the Rangers to the Yankees, and uh, and his life as a baseball player. So let's get to it. All right, and joining me today is former Major League pitcher and former Yankee, Brian Gordon. Brian, how's it going today? Everything's well, Neil. Thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for coming on. You know, your career, your story, um, your change of positions is so unique. And I think many Yankees fans over the last decade remember your starts in June 2011, uh, a season in which the team really went into the season with a lot of question marks at their starting pitching. But to start, I know you were born in West Point, New York. So before moving to Texas uh, as a child, did you grow up as a Yankees fan with those New York ties or were you a Rangers Astros fan down there? You know what? Uh, I get a lot of grief for this. Um, I really <laughs> never had a team <laughs> i was i i, I loved uh, in, in individual talents i i, I just I, I followed ball players like your nolan ryan's your ricky henderson's um and um and so it was it was i i chased players and if they were on i was watching them um but uh but new york was short-lived for me i was my dad was in the military obviously being in west point um but i would say probably inside of two years later he was stationed in central america uh panama so it i don't have memories of west point uh i i, I do have memories however of of panama i think that's cool because uh my mom was actually born in west point as well so that's always like a fun fact and uh to hear from someone else who has it it's pretty cool as, as a as its own thing that is that's wild i don't hear of that too too often yeah i know you're drafted in the seventh round of the 1997 draft by the diamondbacks in your minor league career you know as a position player you made it to triple a with a few organizations uh and it's you had good numbers i mean you you look back through the baseball reference there there must have been times when you thought you were the next guy up or going to get a call up or at least a september call up or something but it just didn't happen. I mean, was there times throughout those that decade there where you thought, "Hey, I, it's my chance next"? There were. Uh, you never know uh, who's on the other end of that that call, or if my. I always wondered if my name ever did come up, um, just because there were some some decent years. Um, it never it never did happen, which uh, started. I started developing that that thought of what does pitching look like is is that going to happen am i ever going to get to play this game uh as a pitcher because growing up that was my um my passion i guess if if you will um as a youngster so um you know yes to answer your question i thought there was uh, a chance a couple times uh, i think it was after the 03 season i thought there might have been a chance and then um 
possibly after the 04 season were probably my better years. Well, you mentioned that pitching was your passion growing up and what you did, uh, you know, drafted by the Diamondbacks. Were you being viewed as both a position player and a pitcher? Or were they, hey, we're solely drafting you as a position player? I know that was sort of before the times now where teams are seriously looking at using guys in multifaceted roles because it saves roster spots. Um, So did they tell you from the get-go, hey, you know, you're coming in as a position player? Yes, that was, that was, it was a one-way street from that point on. Uh, I was going to dedicate everything I I, uh, to, to being an outfielder, they made that clear. Um, but they also did mention that they knew and have heard uh, of me having success as a pitcher. And that was something I could fall back on if needed. Um, I just, from that point on, I dedicated myself to being the best outfielder I can be. And usually when you see those conversions and and falling back on a on a on a secondary position, it happens pretty early out of the gate. You can kind of see the writing on the wall early. In this case, I showed uh, progression as a as an outfielder, and um, I was doing what they thought I would do. And my path that turn happened a little bit later than than uh, than normal. So um, so yeah, that's kind of how it started out of the gate. And then 10 years in, you don't get your shot out of AAA to get to the majors, so you decide, I'm going to go back to what was my passion. I'm going to go back to being a pitcher. Did people within the organization, like, were they happy for you? Were they, you know, supportive? Or were they like, that? that's crazy at this point? Yeah, I would say it's kind of more on the on the crazy end uh, at that point, uh, just because uh, throughout the years, you just, especially as you get uh, higher up, players are further removed from you know their successes as as pitchers and hitters uh if like like for 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 my sake i was a i was an outfielder for 10 years and and they got to hear stories of me having success as a high school pitcher and so (laughs) you early on it's like oh okay yeah you can pitch too sweet um whereas 10 years in it's like sure every outfielder thinks he can pitch and every pitcher thinks he can hit and so that was kind of that was kind of the conversations i had but uh but I definitely had that itch, and it was put on my heart, and I, I just, I just felt like uh, the market for outfielders uh, going into my 11th season or that uh, 07 season was just going to be tough, um, especially with me not having any big league time. Uh, it was, just, it, and just kind of failing to put up that wow year. I just knew it was, it, it was, it was almost my end. So I was like, dang it, I would, I would hate to be told that my time was up in this game without getting pitching uh, a shot. So, um, so yeah, that, that, that was my thought there. So how exactly does one go from being a 10-year vet of, as an outfielder to telling the organization, hey, I'm going to switch over. Can I try pitching? You know, is that acceptable? I'm assuming because you're under contract, they have to sort of be on board with it. So how did that all work out? Yeah, so I was... Uh, the first year I presented was it was '05. I was in Salt Lake City, AAA with the Angels, and uh, I was the fifth outfielder on that roster. So I had a lot of time to think. Um, being a fifth outfielder, I still got quite a few ABs, so it ended up working out. But I, um, I also had a lot of time on the bench. So um, I presented it to my manager back then, Dino Evil. Um, who asked the organization, uh, and it didn't end up uh, didn't end up working out because we we're in a 
we were in a playoff run and we needed just some insurance in the outfield. Uh, from what I was told, it was just kind of more of a high risk situation there. Um, and it just didn't work out. Well, the following year I resigned or I signed with the uh, Houston Astros and I get to play in my backyard, uh, for the Roundwork Express. Well, about halfway through that season, um, my manager comes up to me, Jackie Moore, and asked when, when the last time I pitched was. Uh, and my, I'm just like, what? Are you kidding? I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm dancing in my brain. You know, it's just, I'm thrilled. Because I haven't really given it much thought up, up to this point just because it's kind of a clean slate with a new organization. I've got new fire. Um, and so he asked me because we had a big series coming up. We were on like a 12-day road trip um with a couple with a couple double headers and then a stop in albuquerque which anything can happen in albuquerque it's like pitchers i mean you go up there and just it'd be nothing to give up like a six spot you know and anything it's just anything can happen in albuquerque so so that was the way he was thinking he presented the idea but it just rekindled that fire uh for me so um i got to i got a chance to throw a bullpen to kind of get acclimated to the mound just in case he needed me. Um, but it opened up the door for me to present, uh, my thoughts to him. And I, I, I did, uh, he was a manager that always had his door open and, um, I was, I was, wasn't really expecting like a chuckle or anything like that. I figured he would take me seriously. And he did, but he listened to me, asked the organization and, uh, and they were willing to watch me throw several bullpens, get me on film for the pitching coordinator. And uh, that offseason, a couple weeks in the offseason, I ended up getting a call from uh, Nolan Ryan's assistant asking if I can meet. So um, that's kind of how that unfolded. Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty big deal. If Nolan Ryan sees something in you for someone who hasn't pitched since they were in high school, uh, you know, 10 years without really being on the mound, um, what do you think it was that he saw? Was it, I know you had, you had an uncanny ability to throw strikes and, and to command the ball and be all over the plate. So do you think that's what sort of led him to wanting to meet? I think that's, that's what it was. The organization saw something uh, with those bullpens, but I think ultimately that's what they saw was, was the command to both sides of the plate. And it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't with several pitches at that time. I graduated high school with a fastball and a curveball, uh, the same curveball that I threw throughout my, my entire career. Um, it was the same pitch I threw from the time I was 12 years old. So, um, but I had to develop, um, other pitches just because I didn't have that overpowering, fastball uh but but to answer your question um i did have the i've always had the command i just had the feel of the baseball and i was i was thankful uh that i was able to kind of put it wherever wherever i wanted and i think that's where i had my success um was was right there and and my opportunity so you get the call from nolan ryan you meet what what takes place there and what goes on from that meeting well um we sit down and he explains he understood that I have interest in pitching and he made it clear that this, if, if I went, he made, he made it clear that, um, if I wanted to go through with it, that it was going to be a total commitment. There's no back and forth because I have 10 years worth of making up to do in one off season. And if I was interested in doing it, that he would be willing to put me through, um, not only a throwing program, but conditioning and 
strengthening program as well. Um, and if I dedicated to it uh, wholeheartedly, that they wouldn't even recognize me in spring training. So <laughs> I was I was just thrilled to hear that. First of all, um, getting to work with uh, the guy I really looked up to in baseball uh, was Nolan Ryan, and so getting a chance to work with him was just it was it was incredible. And at that point, I mean, you hadn't pitched in so long. I almost feel like you got these guys who are 27, 28 years old. They've been in throwing 150, 200 innings for seven or eight years. And for you, it, it must have felt like you had a 19, 20-year-old arm, but you were approaching 30. You're exactly right. Yes, I had a lot of miles left on my arm, although I was 28 years old. So that they, I think they saw that. They factored that in as well. Um, they saw, okay, we got a strike thrower here, and the miles are way down. So um, why not give them a chance, see what happens? So, yes, I think you're exactly right. They, they factored that in as well. Well, a year after making the switch to pitcher, you're, you're in the major leagues with Texas uh, in the bullpen. And you, I wonder, were you thinking at that point, hey, I should have been doing this for the last 10 years? Naturally, yes. I was <laughs> like, what have I been doing this whole time? But, you know, after having time to reflect, um, I just – you know, maybe I needed uh, what I've come to is I needed the knowledge uh, for a pitcher or as as a pitcher. I needed the knowledge of a hitter, you know, just to kind of have those those uh, those successes. I, 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 I've learned how to overcome slumps as a hitter and where the slumps come from. So um, I, I kind of use that knowledge and I was able to kind of see and hitters you know when their front side might be a little quick or when they're a little jumpy and just kind of use that as a strength and pitch against that so uh, maybe I needed uh, 10 years of uh, as a hitter to have those that that early success as a pitcher so but naturally yes my first thought was like what have I been doing this whole time what if you know so uh, but that's what I came to yeah, that's understandable. And and over those next four years, 156 appearances, but only 13 starts. Now you're going from position player to pitcher, reliever to starter. You're making sort of another transition there. What was the transition like now that you've sort of once again figured it out on the mound, but now you're going from reliever to starter? No, I'm not sure. That's kind of I, I knew I knew for me to get to the major leagues, it's helpful. Uh, getting there as as a starter, they 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 have more options with you when you're stretched out, uh, and 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 you can give them uh, five plus innings. So I don't um, wasn't sure how it happened. I think in, in in Oklahoma City, I think you know what it was. It was a it was a call up, and we needed a spot start. And so um, me as excited as I was just to put a ball a baseball in my hand. Uh, to pitch, I jumped on it. I volunteered myself, and I was able to go out there and give them three shutout innings in Oklahoma City, and uh, and I think that's where um, it started. So we I ended up getting built up, stretched out, um, and was able to maintain that spot uh, the rest of that that year. And so um, I think that's what helped uh, my first call up. To be honest, was the fact that they could use me. How, uh, because I was stretched out. Well, that uh, 2011 season, uh, you're in AAA, and you have a 5-0 and record of 114 ERA, 9.1 strikeouts per nine, and an 8.0 strikeout-to-walk ratio. What 
clicked or what happened that season that you just sort of took off in otherworldly numbers? You know, I, I wish I could put um, my finger on it. I wish, I, I, I as a man of faith, I believe it was higher um, just because there were so many things going on that year. Um, it, it was it was my best year by far, um, and it was the worst my arm felt by far. Um, so it was it was just incredible, so, uh, just kind of getting through that season and just the steps along the way. Uh, something I'll definitely always remember. But you know, um, I wish I knew. It was. <laughs> I think I think I think it was more confidence. Uh, it's it, it, it's an amazing thing. I felt. Uh, I was in Lehigh Valley, uh, AAA with the Phillies all year, and uh, I was surrounded by great uh, individuals, great teammates and coaches, and and uh, I just felt like I was the guy there. I felt like, you know, they. I, I just felt settled in, I guess. Um, so I think just ha- having that confidence um, and getting through, regardless of how I felt, uh, it was just it, it was kind of just the perfect storm, I guess, if you will. Yeah, and and that Phillies team in the majors had a stacked rotation, so obviously you sort of got buried on the death chart there. But a June fifteenth opt out date allowed you to become part of the Yankees. What went into that opt out date? I mean, I, certainly it's there because of a situation like this where you're you're doing great, but you're not getting a chance to crack the major league roster because of contracts and money owed to other players. So what goes into creating that date? Thankfully, you had it. And uh, what happened in the days leading up to that when you did opt out and sign with the Yankees? Yeah. So leading up. Uh, we knew we were coming up on that June 15th out, uh, out. and so uh, my agent decided to start reaching out to clubs. He was given permission to, and uh, and a lot of the clubs that were interested uh, were interested in a lateral move, Triple uh, uh, A to Triple A. And so we felt like being in the situation we're in and having the confidence and the comfort where I'm at, um, it wouldn't be something we'd be interested in, in doing a lateral move only for a major league. Well, he, we call every single team uh, except for two, the Red Sox and the Yankees, just because we obviously felt like that was just going to be a, a tremendous long shot. So uh, the way it ended up happening was Bartolo went down with, I think, a quad uh, strain. Uh, the timing was perfect. They, the Yankees needed a, a starter that, I think it was a Wednesday, if it, I could be mistaken, but uh, um, but yeah, it was it, it ended up just being perfect timing. My agent got back to me and goes, "You're not going to believe who, where you're going to be uh, pitching on Wednesday at <laughs> New York Stadium." So I'm just like um, chills from from my head down to my toes because I mean I'm going from AAA baseball to the biggest stage in baseball, you know. So um, I was I was blown away. Um, Let's see. Oh, and leading up to it, so we had we had time to kind of get organized. Obviously, we we agreed um, and we're thrilled and thankful. Um, but we had time to scramble and get everything up and, and get there uh, the next day. Where with with the transactions, I guess it wasn't official yet. So we had to kind of keep it behind the scenes. So I get to the stadium and. And I'm throwing. Uh, they decide to get me a throw partner, and I'm across the street throwing at the park, and <laughs> just kind of playing catch with with some uh, 
with some just your regular athletic gear. Um, and I'm playing catch, and, and there's a jogger. I remember this. There's a jogger that was jogging by, and he's like, dang, dude, you should consider pitching. I like, <laughs> oh, if you only knew. You know? <laughs> so if you only knew, I was going to be right next door uh, tomorrow. So uh, I thought that was funny. Got a little got a little kick out of that. But that's kind of how it happened. We had to keep it hush-hush. I was kind of going across street throwing, and then uh, that next day, um, I was so nervous and uh and just to the point where I was about making myself sick. I could not eat because uh, I, I still haven't met the guys yet. And yeah. Here I am going to pitch for them, and I don't know if they're going to embrace me or, or whatnot, but I walk in that, that door, um, and they were amazing. Uh, they made me feel like I've been there all year, um, and it was just truly it was, it was a great, great day, great experience overall. Um, there's times I wish I could have enjoyed it more, but I was putting so much pressure on myself to to uh, to put these guys in a position to win that uh, that I couldn't let myself enjoy it as much as I wanted to. Yeah, that's understandable. And I think you talk about timing to have a June 15th opt out date and a major league team, let alone the Yankees, needs a starter on June 16th. <laughs> you don't get better yeah. timing than that. No, you know it's incredible. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was amazing. Well, there is a video of you warming up. I don't know if you've seen it on YouTube from that day. And uh, there's someone's taking it from the right field bleachers. But you look calm. You look normal. You look like you've been there uh, every fifth day for your life. But I can't imagine what was going through your head while you're standing in the outfield, you know, minutes before you have to go back to the dugout on the take the mound. I know. Uh, I was I was doing a pretty good job of getting myself worked up beforehand, especially driving in. And I, I apologize, I can't remember the street name, uh, but we drove over this bridge, and there you go, biggest. I mean, this huge stadium. I'm just like, oh my gosh, that's what I'm. That's what I'm doing uh, today. <laughs> so I told myself, uh, I got dressed. As I as I'm getting dressed, I'm starting to calm down a little bit. Uh, I'm just guys are coming up to me just like uh, they were last week in Lehigh Valley. It felt like, uh, like I said, they made me feel real comfortable, but. Um, as I walked out of the locker room and into the dugout and then up those steps, I just pulled my hat down low and uh, didn't look up. I just kind of looked, I kept my head down and my thought was as long as the hat's down low and I run out on that field, it's just like any other field. So that's, that's the one thing I really focused on getting up to the outfield for that warm up was just keeping that hat low and just focusing on what I do know and just, just the field. And then, as as those butterflies kind of started going away and I started feeling comfortable, then I started taking it all in and I started looking around, obviously. So, um, but yeah, that's kind of that was my thought process there. Yeah, and I remember that day and that game, uh, you know, vividly. Uh, I was working a summer job painting and, and listening to that game, you know, that afternoon. And uh, it wasn't the easiest of assignments getting to or having to face the defending AL champs who had uh, probably in that year that you saw them should have won the World Series, if not for a misplayed fly ball uh, in the World Series against the Cardinals. But you did an outstanding job. I mean, the first four innings shutting down the defending AL champs, uh, your first 
49 pitches, 37 were strikes, no three ball counts until the fifth inning. So pretty much in line with what got you to this point and what got you to the majors was your ability to throw strikes. And even with the low 90s fastball and, you know, the much slower breaking ball you had, uh, it just goes to show, throw strike. And here you are just dominating, you know, Ian Kinsler, Michael Young, Elvis Andrews, uh, right on down the line, Josh Hamilton. So it just goes to show maybe it's not always the velocity that's needed. No, you're right. You're right. Uh, I often remember, and this this is something I used uh, for my pitching, was I, I remember the pitchers that used to give me the hardest time as a hitter were the ones that uh, were right around 87, 88, but they had four pitches, and they could go, once they left the hand, they could be moving every which way. And uh, those are the guys uh, that gave me the toughest uh, the guys that threw 95, and there's a good chance it was going to be over some part of middle of the plate. You can time that up, and 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 hitters are so good at that major league level, um, and and we're seeing it now that I mean hitters are throwing over 100 miles an hour, upwards of 105, 106 maybe, um, and eventually you see it enough, you can time it up. But uh, pitchers that to your point, that are commanding to both sides of the plate, up at the top of the zone, bottom of the zone, and and you've got action uh, going every which way. It's 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 tough because um, even then, upper 80s, lower 90s, that's still plenty of time to be effective if if you're commanding it. So so that's that's what that's what I took pride in because that's what I had. Obviously, uh, once I learned that that was my pitching style, I stopped trying to overthrow and light that radar gun up and just kind of settled into to, to, to what I knew I was, basically. So, um, yes, I think that was definitely the key to my success was being able to command uh, four pitches to both sides. Well, the Yankees win that game 3-2 uh, to two in extra innings, and then you get another start next time through the rotation against Cincinnati uh, before the rotation sort of starts to get healthy again. So you end the season there with two starts with the Yankees, and then as the 2011 season goes on, um, you're no longer on the Yankees. You end up signing in Korea. So go from the Yankees back to AAA to Korea. You know, what's the transition like there? Again, a pretty significant move to not only switch leagues, but to go on the other side of the world. Right. No. Uh, so talking about timing that we were very thankful for that opportunity, um, at the stage or I was in my career, it was, it was a financial move, uh, up to that point, the two call-ups that I've had to the minor leagues over, um, over, she was at 13 seasons at that time. Uh, both major league call-ups at those times were, were able to get us out of debt right so it got it got our heads above water i wasn't making any money in the minor league so um my 08 stint with the with the rangers got us out of debt and then the 2011 call-up got us out of debt and then so when you get option back down and then a guaranteed contract is offered i've got house uh family um you, you start it's like wow at this point in my career, not too many guaranteed offers are going to be coming. So I felt like, uh, we had to jump on it. So, um, we were thankful for it. Uh, it was, it was, it was a neat experience going to the other side of the world, uh, learning kind of their, their culture and their style, um, of play ultimately being baseball in the end. Um, but, but, uh, there were some things you just kind of get used to and you just kind of accept and, uh, but uh, overall, we were thankful for that opportunity. And the family got to 
come visit a couple times each year, which which was neat. Yeah, and I think most U.S. baseball and North American baseball fans have no clue about the KBO, but they've sort of gotten a taste of it these last few months with them playing and no Major League Baseball to watch. Uh, you know, what would you say the biggest differences are between the game here and the game there? You know, I I think I, I, I was really uh, <laughs> so so they have like a cheer a cheer team that uh, I was <laughs> I was uh, pleasantly surprised about. So they. Uh, each team has like cheerleaders and, and, and a director and, and each hitter has his own cheer or chant. So it was just, it, it was really fun just kind of watching how this team on top of a dugout, uh, this cheer team on top of a dugout gets, gets this cr- entire crowd, entire stadium into <laughs> it. Uh, so it's, it's, it, it was, it was a really neat experience overall. And I, it was just fun. Good fun baseball. <laughs> well, it's been a few years now since, uh, your career ended, your playing career. What's post playing career been like for you? What, what have you been up to these last few years? Yeah. Um, yeah, I appreciate you asking. We, uh, I early on got into carpentry. I just kind of got in the garage, started making some cuts, making some projects, uh, and I then got into coaching in my community. I started up a little youth organization um, and uh, started coaching that. Well, then I started getting an itch after about four or five years uh, to get back in the game. And so uh put in a resume to actually become a hitting coach, uh, which didn't hit for the, the 2019 season. And then just as I was about to resubmit for the 2020 season, um, I got a, I had a conversation with the angels about becoming a, uh, an amateur scout. So I'm currently scouting for the Anaheim angels and, uh, or the LA angels and, um, but under furlough right now. So hopefully we'll be moving past that here shortly. Um, but, uh, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Uh, so yeah, that's great. That's great to hear. And uh, yeah, hopefully the, the furlough goes away now that baseball is coming back this week and hopefully it stays back. But I want to thank you again for taking the time to talk about your career, your story. Uh, it's a great one. And, and like I said, I think a lot of Yankees fans remember those starts a few years back in a season that I think a lot look at what could have been. That team, I feel like, was good enough to, to make a run and go all the way, but didn't work out in the postseason. But Brian, thanks again. I, I really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. And thank you and, and the fans. I appreciate uh, everything and uh, making that day uh, special for not only me, but my family. It was incredible. All right. Thanks again to Brian for taking the time to come on and talk about his career. Um, I remember that game. Like I said, I remember that game vividly. (laughs) Um, I wish I could uh, have some good memories of the games this season, but it doesn't seem like that's going to be the case. I mean, what, what are the good memories this year? Garrett Cole had a couple gems. They also wasted two of his four gems. Jay Bruce blooped a, a bases loaded single in to get him a win, and then he retired. <laughs> Rugnet Odor had a, had a big hit, and they had a gifted rally. That's the six wins. Two Garrett Cole starts, a Jordan Montgomery start against the Orioles, a Jay Bruce bloop, a Rugnet Odor bloop, and a gifted rally from the Braves. That's the season. That's the six wins. Eh, not good, but the Yankees will be back at it tomorrow night. Against the Indians, four-game series against the Indians, who gave up. They gave away Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco. They are saying, we are not planning on contending anytime soon. It's a perfect, a 
opponent for the Yankees right now. The problem is the Yankees are the perfect opponent for everyone else. So that'll do it for today. I'll be back after tomorrow's game. Thanks for listening. Talk to you tomorrow.